0: made the best podcast co-hosted for the last six or so years by a Brit and a Canadian win um yeah over to you smashingsecurity.com slash vote thank you very much we love you all uh, at least the people who vote for us uh but for now back to your normal service and uh sorry about this interruption oh boy she looks rather litigious
1: yep and she, she wrote an article
0: in 1999 for Salon.com.
1: Oh. <laughs> Did someone just fall over?
0: I've just spilt my tea. <laughs> oh,
1: no! no, no, no was...
2: Back in a sec. It's, okay. oh, it's a crisis.
0: What?
2: It is a crisis. I've done this and ruined laptops. I'm, I'm back. I'm back. So just to describe to the listener what, what I'm dealing with here. it's it, it, I'm, actually, I'm actually broadcasting from my wife's knicker drawer um, because the kids are being ultra loud downstairs so what's happened is i've hung up a shirt in the cupboard i'm in and it's fallen down hit my tea and now i'm standing in a pool of tea (laughs) so it's going well
0: smashing security episode 240 3d printer hijacks Crypto Fails and a Tech Billionaire's Revenge, with
2: Carol Terrio and Graham Cluley.
0: Hello, hello, and welcome to Smashing Security episode 240. My name's Graham Cluley. I'm Carol Terrio. And this week, Carol, we're joined by a special guest, someone who's never been on the show before. Mm -hmm. Uh, We are joined by someone who I believe is the BBC's first and maybe only... Cybersecurity
2: correspondent, Mr. Joe Tidy, is that right, Joe? Hello. Hello. Yes. Well, at the moment, yeah, I'm I'm the first, and at the moment, I'm the only one. But the, the way things are going, there'll be about you know, there'll be a team of hundred of us soon.
1: <laughs> I know, but to be the first, right? You're going to be able to talk about this till you know. The end of your days
2: <laughs> yeah it's cool yeah well they they got me in in 2018 um mm. along with a load of other specialists who were i suppose growth areas you'd call it yeah so there's a gender and identity correspondent there's a population correspondent um an africa religion correspondent and then there's cyber security or cyber as i changed it about six months ago i changed it to cyber so that i could do other stuff as well like you know things like gaming and you know that sort of thing as well because when you do a gaming story for example Putting cybersecurity correspondent as your kind of byline is a bit weird.
0: Hey Carol, should we change the name of our podcast? Should we just be Smashing Cyber?
2: What do you think?
1: <laughs> no.
0: No. <laughs> just how about just Smashing? <laughs> a Smashing Podcast. Ah, oh, wouldn't that be lovely? <laughs>
1: Uh, let's thank this week's sponsors, Ativo Networks and 1Password. It's their support that help us give you this show for free. Now, coming up on today's show, Graham, what do you got?
0: Oh, I've got something rather undesirable squirting out of my 3D printer.
2: <sighs> OK, Joe, what about you? Have you got a cream for that? <laughs> uh, I, I've got something about the chaos in cryptocurrency exchanges, why on earth they are being hacked all the time and losing hundreds of millions of dollars.
1: And I'm going to look at the tech version of a celeb divorce. All this and much more coming up on this episode of Smashing Security.
0: Now, chums, chums, to introduce my story this week, I'm going to give you a little puzzle. I'm going to name four things And I would like you to tell me which of the following is real and which are fake. So which is which, right? I have the Carbonara Constable, the Spaghetti Detective, the Taramasalata Traffic Warden, and the Pizza Police. It's not from some new version of Cluedo that I'm getting Hmm. these. Which which of those do you think might be real and which might be fake?
2: (laughs)
1: idea
2: i i th- tarama salata to me
1: sounds a bit far- i mean they all sound far-fetched but i don't know what that yeah, would mean that would be hard to spell as well That's exactly a, poor seo on that one <laughs> i'm gonna guess the real one pizza police
0: the pizza police does sound plausible doesn't it yeah well, maybe it does exist <laughs> well we'll find out during the course of my story which one is the real one, because I am talking this week about 3D printers. Do either of you own a 3D printer, or have you played with 3D printers? I've played
1: with one. I don't have own you? one. I bet Joe's played with them loads.
2: No, you know what? I've never done a 3D printing story. Ooh. I feel like, as a tech journalist, I have missed a rite of passage. I need to go and get my face <laughs> or something printed for a piece of camera, don't I?
1: It's got to be done. I don't think you have to use body parts, Joe.
0: <laughs> I remember there was a story, uh, I think it was Tom Brewster at Forbes. He he got his own face 3D printed and it created like a, yeah. a mask of himself.
2: My colleague Rory Catherine jones did the exact same thing as well. I literally think it's a rite of passage, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they hang it in a living room or something. Well, no, that you use it to,
0: to beat facial recognition oh. systems. It's sort of like a Mission Impossible style thing.
1: Yeah, see. but what do you do afterwards, right? It's not like he wears it all the time. No, he could get his wife to wear it. He could do a bit of
2: Silence of the Lambs cosplay <laughs> or something if you're going to go down a dark route.
0: <laughs> well, 3D printers, for those who aren't aware, they work by extruding, great word, mm. that, extruding uh, molten plastic through a tiny mm-hmm. nozzle. And it's the nozzle which moves very precisely, you know, X, Y, but not just X and Y, but Z axis as well under the control of a computer, and molten plastic, a polymer, is squirted out, It cools down, and then some more plastic is squirted out, hopefully sticking to the previous piece. It's a bit like doing icing on a cake crawl. Mm-hmm. And it builds up your 3D model bit by bit. It's very clever. And there are all kinds of potential uses. Some people are really excited about uh, the potential for printing 3D spare body parts. So if, if you feel, oh, you know, my... My right calf isn't quite impressive enough. Maybe you could get it replaced with a 3D part or if there's a a valve or something. Or if you were on an international space station and you needed something, you could print it out. Yeah.
1: Or if you were missing a limb, right? You could probably print out your actual – Right.
2: I've I've seen some people do superhero-type limbs. So there was a little girl I remember. She got a 3D-printed Iron Man arm, which is pretty cool.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. That is cool, isn't it? But it can go wrong. 3D printing can go rather badly wrong. If you've got a cheap and nasty 3D printer, it might break down or catch fire. I think the fire hazards are sometimes a problem. It can make a pretty awful smell. And it, it's not uncommon to encounter 3D printed objects that haven't quite come out as planned. Yeah. So if I wanted to replace a particular body part, I could ask my 3D printer to produce it, and then something unsatisfactory comes out the other Large, way. Large, round eyes.
2: <laughs> Sorry. <laughs>
0: Just, you're just obsessed with my eye size at the moment. I, I, guess, I guess it could be a worse thing that you're focusing on.
2: I like this, though. As a, as a listener to your podcast, I like that there's, there's a theme running throughout. <laughs>
1: exactly, right? We have to give a reward for people that listen weekly. Little Easter eggs. <laughs>
2: exactly.
1: It's like the archers
0: a bit. So one of the things that can go wrong is if your nozzle – I don't know if you've ever had this problem. Uh, if your nozzle isn't properly aligned. Oh, yeah, sure, sure. Um, then – when, when it squirts out, when it extrudes the polymer, it may fail to attach itself to the existing model that's been made. And you end up finding out that you have a, basically a pile of plastic spaghetti.
1: Uh-huh. Right. right. So what was the word? What was the word?
0: The spaghetti
1: detective.
0: Okay. Because. Most people do not have the time or the inclination to watch their three d printer like a hawk for hours on end or even days. It can take days
1: that's yeah, that's that, that was the something. point I was going to make. It can take i we made rockets yes. actually, and uh, right. it took a very long time to make maybe six inch sized rockets right. and because all the different components are built together. So it's very slow. It's just layer by right. layer by layer.
0: Yeah, well, a service like the spaghetti detective, it uses, a webcam and some cunning artificial intelligence. So it watches your printer and what it's doing. And if it detects that something has gone wrong with the AI through the webcam, for instance, if it starts extruding spaghetti, the spaghetti detective will interrupt the print job, will stop it and send you a text message or an email saying, you might want to, you know, <laughs> you might want to try again with this. Something's gone badly wrong. So it's, it's very clever. And this spaghetti detective toolkit is open source. So if you've got the mouse, you can set it up for yourself on a server and off you go.
1: Yeah. Okay. It's clever. But whatever you've mm. printed, from, from what I'm hearing, it, it will already be ruined, right? So say you've done, if you you're doing something that's eight inches yeah. tall, if you've done three inches and it starts screwing up, it stops it. You're going to have to start again. But I suppose you don't have to wait till the whole thing is built,
0: Exactly. Better that you find that out on Tuesday than wait till Thursday. Yeah, so you get like yeah. a
1: three-inch piece of rubbish instead of a 10-inch yeah. piece of rubbish.
0: I yes. imagine you can probably
1: right. remelt down the plastic as well. I
0: think you can. I ima- I'm just thinking about this. I imagine this doesn't work very well if you are trying to 3D print spaghetti. Uh,
2: because... They <laughs> <laughs> keep warning you, hey, you're making spaghetti. Well, I know. Yes, stop. You need a raspberry pie
1: with little uh, nail scissors to, you know, cut it each time. Yes. <laughs> Anyway, the point
0: I'm making is you've got to be a bit of a nerd to set up a server, to run this piece of software, to set up the webcam and go to all the effort. And so maybe you want to use a cloud based service to do all of this for you, like the spaghetti detective.com.
1: Got you. Which is
0: run by a guy called Kenneth Yang. Right. Now, our friend Kenneth, he maintains the server, he tweaks the code, he keeps it secure so you don't have to. And you can have a certain number of prints. watched per year for free, but many people probably will pay him a little bit of money in order to have this sort of surveillance going on, which is kind of handy. What could possibly go wrong? (laughs) Well, last week, a Reddit user called okrub499. Great username. Which (laughs) suggests to me 498 other people have... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he <laughs> yeah. chosen the OKRub okay moniker before him. But OKRub499, okay, he woke up and he found on his 3D printer a message which had been printed out in 3D. So it's all sort of raised in the polymer. He hadn't set off a job. And it said, TSD is not secure. I randomly connected. Sorry, had to inform you.
1: Written in the plastic?
0: Written in the plastic. <laughs> That's oh, really?
1: Color.
0: Yes. <laughs> So raised up. So we will put a link in the show notes so everyone can see a photograph of this. Now, TSD is, of course, the Spaghetti Detective. And it turned out that the Spaghetti Detective contained a security vulnerability that allowed users to link to other users' 3D printers via this cloud-based service. So not if you had set up the Spaghetti Detective yourself, but if you'd used Kenneth's SpaghettiDetective.com service. Ah... Uh. Now, Mm -hmm. friend of the show, Paul Ducklin, he wrote about this on the Naked Security blog. And he was actually pretty impressed with how the SpaghettiDetective.com responded to this. And he says, if you're looking for lessons to learn from how they responded, take note that he never said, we take your security seriously. He didn't excuse himself by saying at least credit card numbers weren't affected. And he didn't downplay the bug because it was only present for eight hours and apparently affected fewer than 100 people so it wasn't the world's biggest problem it wasn't huge but actually when you read and again we'll put in a link in the show notes we can read the full analysis of what went wrong as posted on by the spaghetti detective on their site it's really impressive because they're completely transparent they say they say they actually call it a stupid mistake they say it was horrible <laughs> they offer their sincere apologies they say we screwed up um, hallelujah by, by
2: we he probably means me yes because i can't
1: imagine as many people
0: it is just him it is actually yeah. he does actually says i oh, screwed up that's right yeah
1: right that's refreshing isn't it, it can i read let me read it read it. it's really good yeah it's, i screwed up it was the first security breach the spaghetti detective has had in two years of her existence but it was embarrassing one and i can't forgive myself for i like the way he's gendered yeah the the ai isn't that yeah. lovely i really like that <laughs> <laughs> good old kenneth <laughs>
2: <laughs> this reminds me, did you, do you remember this story about the PewDiePie fan, Hackers? Yes. Who managed to take over some ports, I say some, about 50,000, 50, I think it was, an in initial attack. And they got printers around the world to print out, subscribe to PewDiePie. Yes. Do you remember yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A guy called himself Hacker Giraffe.
0: Mm-hmm. That's it. And PewDiePie was in a race, wasn't he? I think with some Bollywood yeah. YouTube channel.
2: It was, yeah. Mm-hmm. T-Series T was the name. I know all this because I went to... Somewhere in the Midwest to interview uh, the, the hacker giraffe's accomplice, who, who who carried out the hack, and um, <laughs> it was a, such a strange and weird, and interesting as, story. As long but...
1: as it wasn't your holiday, <laughs> you're not that
2: weird. <laughs> <laughs> that would be fun. I'd, sort of geek I am. I'd enjoy that. Not sure the wife and kids would enjoy it, but you know,
0: it would just be amazing that you had a wife and kids, Joe, if, if you if wanted to do that kind of
2: thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but that was, that was an amazing story. Yeah. I think they did about 50,000 yeah. printers in the first wave and then they did about another 150 in the second wave and then they went into hiding and got really scared. Um, and now I, I talked to this guy who who's really proud of it and you know, he, he's, he's tried to make me do a story sort of outing his identity many times. And I was sort of saying, mate, you know, <laughs> just because it was a meme back then doesn't mean it's not a security issue that you might still be in trouble for this. <clears throat>
0: Yeah, well, obviously, you shouldn't connect to other people's devices without their permission. You shouldn't do this kind of thing. But I think we can sort of turn a little blind eye to that on this occasion because it was – the vulnerability yeah. was only present for a short time.
1: Yeah, but I think we should also commend them for that, right? Commend T – what are they called? T-S st- the – spaghetti TSD. Detective. The spaghetti, yeah. Yeah, the spaghetti detective. But why is it founder of TSD – oh, the sp- – oh, my God, I just got it. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, why the tea? Why the tea?
0: Are you still hunting so. for the Tramasolata traffic? Yeah, exactly. Console? That's the real story, isn't it? <laughs> Joe, what have you got for us this week?
2: Well, I've been a little bit obsessed with cryptocurrency exchanges. And I did a story. Well, everyone did this story, didn't they? About, I think it was last week or week before last, about this $600 million, um, hack, million dollar yeah. hack of um, the cryptocurrency exchange service, the Poly Network which in itself was an amazing story because, of course, all the money was stolen by the hacker, who then proceeded to pay himself in Ethereum. And every time he paid himself little bits, he would write a note, which is publicly available to everyone. So he started by bragging about the hack. And then he started saying, how can I launder this money? And then he changed tack and said, actually, it was all a security exercise. I'm going to return it all. Um, and he did, which is amazing in itself. But then, of course, within a few days, you've got another hack of a Japanese cryptocurrency exchange called Liquid. And that's $100 million gone. Yeah. And then I've just been looking into this and it, it's just an absolute mess. So there's this list I found on a website and I haven't verified these numbers, so I can't do the whole BBC thing. And uh, Well, I will do the whole BBC thing and say th- this mm-hmm. is unverified currently. But I'm going to put this all onto a uh, put sort of pen to paper and try and write something on this. So I'm basically using you guys as a help for my article. <laughs> so um, this is in uh, 2020. There was one called Altbit, which had 70,000 dollars hacked out of it. November 2019, South Korean one called Upbit 51 million, then in the same month 500,000 was lost, then there was one in Singapore called Bitpoint 28 million, and then in May that year 40 million, and then of course there's the Coincheck one 560 million dollars worth Shipping hacked. Feed. <laughs> and then there was of course the big one which was which is one that's probably the most famous one which is Mount Gox which is um 460 yes. million but i didn't really know about this kind of problem until this 600 million dollar uh recent story and it is just it's just incredible it's, your mind boggles at how this can happen because i've been speaking to loads of the people who are caught up in this you know the victims And you you often think, in the tech team, we kind of look at these stories and we think, oh, you know, does the average person care about this? Because these are kind of crypto bros who have lost a bit of money speculating and gambling in in the crypto world. But then I spoke to this other person who said that their mom and dad, for example, had Mm -hmm. one Bitcoin in in the liquid exchange, which they very nearly lost. And they had to sell rapidly as a panic sell. And now they've lost loads of money on it. Uh, And that was going to be their kind of little retirement pot. So I just think it's amazing that these exchanges are custodians of so much money, Mm -hmm. yet they seem to be really badly secured.
1: But don't they have like the PR around cryptocurrency of it being completely safe has done a lot of harm, right? Because I think so. If you look at the Liquid um,
2: case, so Mm -hmm. they, they claim to be like, I think they have on their website, the most secure exchange in the world. And they said that all of our uh, cryptocurrency is stored in cold storage, which means it's not directly linked to the Internet. Yet now it it appears, and we're still waiting to hear back from Liquid, so I don't know the the, the full fact, but it appears that wasn't the case. And what I find amazing about this world, I don't know if you guys are into your crypto, but it's really hard to find people to speak about this in a kind of level-headed way. Because if you're an expert in crypto, Mm. then there's a good chance you're a kind of like crypto fan. So as a reporter, I find these stories so intimidating to do because you're sort of like (laughs) dipping into a world that is almost cult-like in a sense. There's
0: a religious fervor, isn't there?
2: There is, there is. There's like the
0: cryptomaniacs and uh, and the people who are very, very anti-crypto, and there's not many people straddling both sides.
1: Exactly. I think, I think the, the BBC's crypto queen kind of opened my eyes to that because you yeah. kind of got an idea of how far and wide people were believing that this is how they would get rich, that they were early to the game and they're going to make a killing here.
2: Yeah. That was a great series, actually. Yes. Amazing. Amazing. But But I
0: think you make a really good point, Joe, which is that actually many regular people now will have some element of cryptocurrency because of all the mania that has happened in recent years with it zooming up and other investments maybe not doing that, with the likes of the late John McAfee always touting cryptocurrencies, there will be many people yeah. who will have put away a little nest egg thinking, well, it's worth us chucking £20,000 or whatever it may be in there to see what mm. happens. Yeah, and let me…
1: Yeah. Let me add Hmm. something to that, actually. I think lots of people don't know how to get it out now. And they'll be like, they'll get around to it. They'll get around to it. They'll get around to it. You know, it's probably going to still go up. It's a marvellous way where you can actually go and find nothing in there.
2: It is such a faff. The whole whole thing is such a faff. Buying crypto. I've bought a little bit in the past and then, you know, lost it for Five years, or yeah. whatever. And actually, I recently found it and it's sort of 0.001 <laughs> Bitcoin. Um, You're and loaded. I don't really know what to do with it. You know, I'm, I'm, so, I'm i and the funny, the good, the funny thing is in my job, and it's probably the same for you guys as well. The only way to truly understand these things is to, is to get involved and to use it and, and, you know, buy things and, and move your money around and stuff. But yeah, it is, it is quite, quite hard. It's quite a kind of, um, close knit community. Which is it's sort of like a
1: closed key community, full of weirdos. <laughs> let's, let's just call a spade a spade. They're all nuts. I tell you, if you if you're going around checking all these drifting cryptos and kind of putting your money in and out just to see how it all works, you should write it all down. I'd love. I mean, that that's gold for people, right? To understand what they're getting involved in.
2: Well, that was a brilliant piece that my colleague did actually uh, in this similar vein. We had our, um, one of our bosses leave, uh, to mm. go on a, into somewhere else. He was the head of tech at BBC. So we all chipped in and got him an NFT, yeah. um, wow. a an fungible token just for a laugh. <laughs> yeah. And, um, it was, it was delegated to my colleague, Christina, to actually go and buy the blooming thing. And she must have spent three weeks <laughs> trying to, first of all, buy this. I did, I was it Ethereum or Ether? I can't remember what the the cryptocurrency was, but the faff she went through to get this, to actually secure this NFT, this useless bit of (laughs) digital art. Um, and then she wrote a piece about it and it was great. It was that, it's that sort of thing that shows you. Oh,
0: NFTs. Come on.
2: The NFT world is another just crazy, crazy thing that, um, it's hard to, hard to wrap your head around. It really is. The well, money. Yeah. that Did you see that about Beeple, this digital artist who made 70 million, yeah. I think it yes. was? Yeah, Insane. <laughs> in the wrong line of work.
1: Clarelle, what have you got for us this week? Something very light and weird. So, Okay, okay so we're going to start with celebrity divorces. And we mm-hmm. all know that there's been many contentious ones in the past. So Hulk and Linda Hogan... 2007.
0: Sorry, I thought you said celebrity. You're starting with Hulk Hogan. That's
1: <laughs> Hulk Hogan. The celebrity
0: we're
2: going, are we? I thought you meant the Incredible Hulk. I was like, is that a real thing? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Paul McCartney and Heather Mills. Graham.
0: Oh yes. yes.
1: Yeah. Fifty million. And Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie uh, started in 2016. Apparently, it's not even settled yet, and costing yeah. millions and millions and millions. Wow. Yeah. Oh yeah, the slebs that didn't follow suit are the so sweet and earnest you want to vomit. Uh can you guess who I'm talking about?
0: Oh, you're talking about um <laughs> Come on, who am I talking you're about? You're talking about Chris Martin and Yes. Oh, <laughs> and the conscious uncoupling. Yes, the the uncoupling. <laughs> the
1: conscious uncoupling, exactly. Bless them. The,
0: bless them. <laughs> I wonder who gets to keep the candles. Yes.
1: <laughs> you take the patchouli, I'll take the lavender. Um but this is kind of unusual in tech billionaire land. According to the Times, tech billionaires have typically divorced very quietly behind closed doors. And it's rare that they're willing to trade blows in a public courtroom and expose the complex web of their personal finances. Makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But they do happen. And just this week in tech and mainstream media, the, it's all a buzz with this high stake tech divorce. So in the left corner. We have robotics guru and startup entrepreneur, Scott Hassan. He was one of the code writers for the original search algorithm for Google, known as BackRub back in 96. Mm -hmm. He's kind of known as the third unofficial Google founder in some circles, along with Larry Page and and Sergey Brin. Mm -hmm. And he's also known for creating those screens on wheels. You know, before we all had phones in our pockets, you'd have like a video conferencing and there'd be a screen on a long kind of neck. And it had like a, almost like those IVs in hospitals. It looked like an IV, but it had a screen on it. What are you it. talking about? Oh, yeah, that you wheel around in a school or whatever.
2: Yeah. Oh, what, so he, he he
1: made that? Yeah, he made that. It's apparently gone strange, bust now. So he's done like a
2: incredible bit of sort of coding and then a really basic yeah. bit of metal hardware. So you're talking about a television?
1: What, no. what, is this? what is this thing? I don't. I don't know how you call it. They they had them even in the White House. They're kind of like they were like basically for virtual meetings before we all could zoomify and you know whatever. And yeah. it's a screen you'd bring in and like video conferencing, but it would be okay. keeping at the height of the person, so you could bring it down to be chair height or standing up, so you could have a coffee meeting. You know, I don't know. I anyway, this. it went bust. It went bust. Okay. Um, so that's in the left corner, and the, the other corner we have Allison. Hoon, a senior research fellow at Stanford University Robotics Laboratory, so also a smart cookie. And they were married for 13 years. And Mm. for the last seven, they've been trying to divorce. And the problem is, is they don't agree on the settlement. Mm. And so this week, this Tuesday, they've gone to trial and it's proving to be a popcorn eating worthy affair because it's been open to the public. And some allegations have been a little bit surprising. Such as, mm-hmm. you
2: can't say things like that. The, the New York Post. <laughs> the New York Post. I'm getting there. I'm getting. There. Oh, that
0: quality publication. Yes, the New York Post. Hey,
1: well, <laughs> well, you know, because I can validate from other news sources. So, but 1.8 billion is their estate. 1.8 billion dollars.
2: I've never even heard of this guy.
1: Yeah, and Hassan wants to give her a dis- uh, you know a disputed fraction of this. Um, so he basically, they have a company. He has a company with lots of shares in it. And the accusation is basically tried to dump the company for a pittance and a tax dodge and a divorce shrinking of the settlement. Right. And she's like, dude, you should be doing, you know, going according to the law and look after your shareholders. <laughs> so, um, you know, an age old fight of the blistering re rich, right? So we're talking, no one's, no one's going hungry here, right? On any side. Right. Yeah. No. But it's been rough waters for quite a while now. I like even at the beginning. Apparently, when uh, he planned to divorce, he did it by text. So, <laughs> so it's probably safe what? to wow. say this was it's- not a conscious uncoupling.
2: <laughs> at least didn't wheel in some screen and do a teleconference.
1: <laughs> Welcome
0: to Densville, population you. <laughs> Can I butt in here with a personal anecdote? Sure. Right. I was once dating a uh, young lady. Okay. And I was, young? A- you're quite old now
2: as a young man, right?
0: I want to make sure like, I was probably in my early thirties.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, she was a similar age as well. And it, basically, she kind of disappeared, right? I thought she's blanking me. <laughs> she's not replying. She's ghosting me or whatever. Clearly, she doesn't want to be with me. She's not returning my calls. She's not returning my texts. Etc. Etc. So it happened for a couple of weeks, and I thought, oh, clearly I've I've been dumped. You know, it would have been nice to have known. But clearly, I've been dumped, and so I thought, just to be all upfront about things, I sent her a text basically, right, saying it's over, right? Fair enough. You know, look after yourself, et cetera. And then she got really, really arsey. and she got arsey because she said, well, I, there was no way. I, how dare you dump me via text? It's like I've been trying to communicate with you for weeks, you know.
1: Maybe she was afraid of being dumped, so she was just ghosting you.
0: Yeah, she she, she wanted well, to. Well, she it. claimed she claimed she was on holiday in Scotland, and apparently mobile phones don't work up there. And well, this so was she, twenty.
1: Yeah. This was twenty some years sure. ago,
0: right? It was Twenty odd years ago. <laughs> but I just, you know, but I've since I've since been characterised as someone who dumps someone by text, and maybe this this tech mogul guy was in a similar scenario
1: you weren't married to her for 13
0: years no i wasn't no that's true i'd probably been dating her about five weeks yeah
2: yeah so, so. you're saying it's all about the context we don't know it the, is context all about the context, of the context. Yes. we don't know if he just sent an emoji or a gif <laughs> who knows it's, i didn't send her an emoji of a dumper truck <laughs> yeah like just a, a big skit.
1: shit <laughs> Okay. Now, what I thought, I didn't expect to get you to open up like that, Graham. So I'm very thrilled. I I thought you'd be going, why the heck are we talking about this? I don't understand. It's her loss, Graham. It's her loss.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. It is. It's plenty of fish in the sea.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, Hassan was presumably so enraged by the fiscal demands from the other side, decided to do something that some might call dumb. And it involves computers, so ipso facto, smashing security worthy. Right? Excellent. Hassan has admitted that earlier this year in February, when everything was very fraught with respect to the divorce, mm-hmm. and maybe he couldn't take it anymore, maybe his meditation teacher quit, <laughs> <laughs> he came to the decision it would be a good idea to create and make a website live. Cleverly entitled com, his wife's full oh. name. Oh, Right. Now I've put a screenshot of the website into our uh, document. Yeah, I'm I'm looking at it right now. So Oh, okay. Allison, yeah, got it. Okay, so what we have just for our listeners here, you have like contact information for Allison, right? Her LinkedIn, her Twitter, her Facebook. You have a list of a number of articles that she's written. But okay. kind of a random selection. And then you have some lawsuits. Oh. Yes. Right. And apparently these um, connected over to a Google Drive where you could find all kinds of information on these lawsuits, what was going on. And these are from her past. And they're not necessarily, they're like involving sexual harassment and all kinds of ugly stuff. Now, this is the problem. He did a good job of hiding his fingerprints, right? His fingerprints run all over this. And she had no idea this was live. So this went out in February, what? and Hoon only discovered it on August fifth. I knew you would do that, Graham, because you can't believe that people don't Google their names every day, can you? <laughs> well, every hour or so. I mean, <laughs> you set up a Google alert. Exactly. Yes. Get the get. There must be like Google detectives or something. I thought she. I thought she
0: worked in technology. I thought she. I mean, and he he apparently created the algorithm for Google. Maybe he's. Oh, maybe he wrote the algorithm, so it would pop this up at the top of the results or something
1: or not pop up at any results
0: yeah yeah hide it well yes so if anyone was looking for information on her maybe because she was looking for a job or if she was starting a new yep. relationship they would end up on this page and they'd think oh this looks oh boy yeah she looks rather litigious she wrote an article in 1999 for <laughs> salon.com called oh. penguin wiggles its <laughs> flippers
1: did someone just fall over and spilt the tea Oh no. Oh, no. oh no. Back in a sec. <laughs> it's okay. oh, a crisis. What? It is a crisis. I've done this and ruined laptops. I'm,
2: I'm back. Yes. I'm back. So so just to just to describe to the listener what what I'm dealing with here. It's it, I'm actually I'm actually broadcasting from my wife's knicker drawer um, because <laughs> the kids are being ultra loud downstairs. So what's happened is I've hung up a, tea, a shirt in the cupboard I'm in. And it's fallen down, hit my tea, and now I'm standing in a pool of tea. Uh, so it's going it's going well. Oh, at least your laptop isn't, though. The laptop's good. We're okay. I can still see alisonhoon.com. <laughs> okay, phew! <laughs> so anyway, I, I, this sounds ill-advised, this website. I don't know about you guys, but... It, it, yeah, you know, <laughs> a little bit. I mean, even if he's covered his
0: tracks, he is the person who is... Having this multi-year divorce disagreement with... Yeah.
1: (laughs) Can you read the disclaimer at the top, Graham? Can you read the disclaimer at the top? Okay, let's
0: look. This website contains links to certain public information related to Alison Hoon. It is not sponsored by or affiliated with Alison Hoon. The material and information contained on this website is for general information purposes only. You should not rely upon the material and information on the website as a basis for making any business, legal, or any other decisions. Now, on with the dirt. Right, I added that last bit.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, so what? Did his lawyers? The lawyers go, yeah, yeah. Go ahead, go ahead, do that. Just add this at the top. Yeah, looks good to me. <laughs> <laughs> Cut and paste this at the top, and you're good to go, my sunshine. Looks so weird. <laughs> um. So apparently, when she found out about it, she told her lawyer. Lawyer called in the forensic pros, who apparently failed to find anything. But Hoon, okay. no idiot, did. So she told the post, I stayed up all night and discovered a back door that Scott inadvertently did not close. (laughs) I was able to determine that the Google Drive site, which contained all the lawsuit documents, was registered by Scott Wendell. Scott's middle name. Oh, that sounds so basic. (laughs) We didn't use his last name. But yeah, uh, the email contact has Hassan in it. And to add salt to the womb, she's quoted saying, so the genius of Silicon Valley was exposed by his wife using her technical knowledge. Poetic justice. So it sounds bitter. It does sound bitter, doesn't Mm. it?
0: I think this is much cleverer than you imagine. I think he has deliberately done this and acted like an utter, utter buffoon in order to devalue his company through his technical incompetence.
2: Oh, he's playing the long game. Which means
0: she ends up, yes, she ends up with less money. She's fallen for it. Wow.
1: That's why they're in court right now. That's what she's suing him for, for actually doing that, because there's all these reports of him like once the divorce started or once they separated, he stopped showing up at the office on time. He missed meetings all the time. Like he was basically just, you know, Mm. running it to the ground is the is the argument.
0: Now he's proven he's a complete
1: twit. So when asked if he put up the site, Hassan admitted uh, I did, but I have taken it down. It came together in a moment of frustration when I felt Allison and her attorney were telling one-sided stories to the press. This is like the robotics god, apparently. I thought aggregating publicly available information without commenting or editorializing would help. It only ended up making our dispute more public intense, which was never what I intended.
2: Who hasn't made a website? About their partner when they're angry. Well, I don't know if either of you have been
0: to the website Sarah Can't Receive Text Messages While She's In Scotland.com.
2: But if you do, I've got
0: <laughs> After twenty years I still have a variety of information
1: about her. You need to work on your SEO there. <laughs> Word of the wise, don't post shit on sites. That's basically Especially if you've got a very intelligent ex-wife. Yeah. Yes. And a lot yeah. of freaking money. Yeah. You know, I mean, I I do feel for them. They're probably going to end up only with, like, I don't know, 500 million each after all this. (laughs) Cybercrime is at an all-time high and
0: it's not slowing down. So why should you? This August, you are invited to Security Summer School, a brand new webinar series hosted by the 1Password team. Learn from security experts at top organizations, hear about sizzling security trends, and get quick tips for building a culture of security at home and at work. You can get exclusive perks like 1Password swag for attending events, the chance to network with top security leaders, and much, much more. Find out more and enroll now at www.onepasswordsummerschool.com That's www.onepasswordsummerschool or oneword.com
1: Listeners, it is time to get serious about preventing and detecting credential abuse, privilege escalation, and entitlement exposures. My friends over at Tivo Networks have tackled this challenge, and I want to share how it works. The Ativo Identity Visibility Bundle finds exposed admin credentials from the endpoint, conducts over 200 continuous checks on Active Directory, and identifies risky entitlement and overprovisioning in cloud environments. The Ativo Identity Detection Bundle cloaks production credentials and AD objects to hide and deny access and deceives tools like Bloodhound, steering the attacker into decoys for threat intelligence gathering you want to learn more and kick credential attacks to the curb go to ativo networks.com that's ativo a double t i v o networks.com and thanks to ativo networks for sponsoring the show and welcome back and you join us on our
0: favorite part of the show the part of the show that we like to call pick of the week pick of the week pick of the week Pick of the Week is the part of the show where everyone chooses to say the like. Could be a funny story, a book, that they've read, a TV show, a movie, a record, a podcast, a website, or an app. Whatever they wish. It doesn't have to be security-related, necessarily. Better not be. Now, if you've been listening to recent episodes of Smashing Security, I've been discussing one of my favourite TV shows, which is, of course, Columbo. One of the greatest TV shows of all time. And that got me thinking quite a lot about the TV crime genre. And having ploughed my way through quite a lot of Columbo, I thought, what else did I used to like? And I'm going to give you another one right now, which some people may not have seen. It is, of course, Cracker. Uh... Do you remember Cracker? Joe, you're probably too young for Cracker.
2: Rings a bell. Yeah, I
1: love Cracker. Was that Robbie Coltrane? Yes, Robbie, Coltrane. Robbie Coltrane. Yeah,
0: It came out in the early 1990s. British gritty TV crime series set in Manchester Robbie Coltrane is a thoroughly unpleasant yes. but still genius
1: criminal psychologist or cracker who is assist in the police force. <laughs> he's like he's like the uh the opposite of Columbo, isn't he? He's like the dirty living Columbo. <gasps> yeah, I mean I mean Columbo is quite shabby and shambolic like No, no, coats. exactly. But they both wear the same trench coats. They kind of have a similar feel about
0: <laughs> but Columbo, them. But Columbo you kind of want to, you know, give him a hug and curl up with him and spoon him whereas you don't want to do that with Robbie Coltrane as Cracker.
2: Is Columbo the one that always says, and one other thing or something like that, at the end? One more thing, Brian. Uh, yeah, yeah. Joe, Joe, I, I just can't. I, I've tried. You only brought this You only brought this thing in to, to, to do your impression, didn't you? Yeah, I did. I, oh, Joe, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's just, I just did a little
0: loose ends, you see. I've been on the BBC News website for <laughs> a couple of things. I, I just don't understand. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure you can explain it to me. Uh, yeah, Colombo's brilliant. But Cracker is is somewhat different. Cracker, I mean, both are brilliant in their own way, but they're very different. Cracker has a great cast, including Ricky Tomlinson, Geraldine Somerville, Robert Carlyle, Christopher Eccleston, who has one of the most truly memorable moments in TV drama history. I'm not going to give you any spoilers. OMG, what happens at the beginning of Series 2 of Cracker. Unbelievable.
1: What, 1990? When would it start?
0: Some people will be watching this based on my recommendation.
1: That's very true. And lucky them. Lucky them.
0: Yes. And so I don't want to spoil it for them. In the very first episode of Cracker, do you know who appears? No. A man being investigated is Adrian Dunbar. Do you know who Adrian Dunbar is? No. No. Oh, Joseph Jesus, Mary and a donkey.
1: Oh, from uh Matt. He's the
0: guy who became Ted Hastings from Line of Duty.
1: Oh, it's Jesus, Mary, Joseph,
2: and the wee donkey. <laughs> now we're cooking on gas. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yes. Yeah, these are some great exactly. lines. Great lines. Whoever's writing them, <laughs> now, now, now we're sucking on diesel. Isn't yes,
0: awesome? <laughs> that's right.
1: <laughs> Love it. That's the, yeah, so good. So good.
0: So I have <laughs> been watching Cracker on BritBox, which has lots of old classic TV, which is the kind of thing I like. There was a US remake of Cracker called Fits, which I've never seen. I imagine is terrible. Um, so go and, go and check out the original Cracker. It is quite brilliant. And that is my pick of the week. I approve, Graham. Good pick of the week. Thank you I'll very much. Long in the tooth, but yeah,
1: if you like gritty, gritty detective yeah, stuff.
0: Very, very good TV drama.
2: Uh, Joe, what's your pick of the week? Well, mine's a bit unusual, but the thing that has been ups- I've been sort of obsessing over with lately is I've got a wildlife camera. Um, one of these ones that you stick in the corner of your garden and then it's got a sensor, a load of lasers or whatever, and then whenever an Mm. animal that's big enough goes past it or near it, it turns on. Mm. And I've been, I've managed to get this little fox that we've got that comes and visits our garden. You can tell how exciting my life is, by the way. (laughs) But the thing I've been really trying to get is this rat. There's a rat living somewhere in our garden, which we haven't managed to capture. I've seen it once at like six in the morning, came down for a cup of tea, there it was, sitting on the patio just... You know, chilling out, but I still haven't got it, and it's it's a sort of cat and mouse or rat and mouse, if you like, game between me and this <laughs> this creature, which is driving me mad. I've caught, I've got the back of it. So in one footage, one little video, I've got at like for about half a second, you just see the back of this thing running across the camera. But
1: ah. so that is the thing that I'm,
2: I'm obsessing with. And if you've got a garden, and if you've got, I think it was like fifty quid or sixty quid or something. I strongly recommend these because they are quite good fun, especially with kids as well. My little boys, we'll wake up in the morning, we'll go and see what the camera got overnight. They'll normally be quite Oh, bored. that's gorgeous. I'll be more excited than they are. But uh, yeah, we've, we've got a hedgehog, we've got a fox, and we have got the back of a rat.
1: Um, <laughs> now, tell me, what do you... Uh, so let's say the rat comes over and kind of goes, you know, gives you the finger or something, <laughs> right? Flips you the Vs, something yeah. like that on the camera. What, so what do you for. do
2: then? then I'll flip the bees back. I'll sit out all night long, wait, <laughs> wait to return the favour. Um, I don't know what I do. we've talked about. You see, this all came about because my wife said, can you do something about the rat? Yeah, I think she meant, can you put a rat trap out? I don't think she meant, can you get some footage of it on a wildlife camera? Yeah. So there's been a bit of a disagreement in the household, but I think ultimately that's what she wants. But I think if we, if we can name it and if we can see it, then we can be friends with it. It can be our pet. Do you
1: know how much, uh, you know how big their litters are and how often? No, go on. I (laughs) think it's something like every eight or 12 weeks and they can have 10 to 12 or something. Yeah. So you're telling me there isn't just one rat? Well- We. I had a rat and I, look, I'm obviously on the other side. I'm kind of with your wife on this, right? I saw the rat and I was like, I have no problem with the rat. I do not want him living in our garden because we have a walled garden as well, right? I don't want him to go, this is perfect here. We've got bird food. We've got like this watering bath. (laughs) Everything we need. This is awesome. Right. And like, come on, honey, come on. Right. And then having like thousands of babies everywhere because they just nest and they nest. Yeah.
2: I may have compounded the issue because I've I I decided to uh, build a little pond. i got a big plant pot, ah. which is left over from previous nonsense. And I, I was bored in February and height of lockdown. And I thought, right, I'm going to bury this in the garden, fill it with water. And I suddenly got a lovely wildlife pond. Yeah. It hasn't worked that way. It's it, Some of the stuff that grows in there, it's like what you'd see in Prometheus. <laughs> it's, it's, it's horrendous. Have you ever seen a, um, what's it called now? A, uh, a long-tailed rat larvae. Oh, Look at no. that! The way they have swim, I, I. they
1: are otherworldly and terrifying. So you've got like a kind of swamp because you're not <laughs> doing anything with the water. You don't have the right reeds to clean the water I, or anything. Well, so I put the reeds
2: the... in, but then I accidentally kicked a football in <laughs> and, and decapitated <laughs> the uh, the pond wildlife. So, I love
0: this. <laughs> I thought you were going to tell us that, that you'd caught the rat water scheme across your pond. You know,
2: <laughs> that's the dream. Yeah. I like, put it on YouTube. It goes viral. I become a multimillionaire. <laughs> yeah, Influencer, you know. <laughs> make it an nft exactly just a couple so of conferences a year and that's me <laughs> <laughs> done
1: <laughs> i can look at my rats all day and i can i can make a house Brilliant. for them a huge house in my garden <laughs> teach them how to cook yeah
2: disney reference there eh? ratatouille <laughs> you got that. <laughs> oh yeah great great movie. <laughs> one of my favorites
0: crow
1: what's your pick of the week uh well you know my penchant for audio dramas well, uh, this week, I have yet another one, a glorious one called Keeping the Wolf Out. It's a BBC full cast detective series set in Budapest, 1964. So eight years after the Hungarian uprising, when people revolted against Soviet rule. Um, the country is like still at this time, 1964, it's still fraught with political intensity, paranoia about who's listening in on who, because mm-hmm. any dissidence is, you know, it's pretty risky. So in keeping the wolf out, we follow a special investigator, so similar to your cracker, but a younger guy called Bertalan Lazar and his spy wife, Shishka, And boy, they have they face a lot of turbulent times and they try to find out the truth and unmask the true baddies as part of their jobs. Um, But it's not always easy because a lot of people are doing are higher up and, you know, up to no good. But the gorgeous thing is they come together at night and they kind of commune and share over dinner or and the relationship between them is just phenomenal. Uh, it's just oozes with character. They're sassy, funny, sexy, vulnerable. It's just great. You'd love it, Graham. Joe, I can tell you'd love it if you were. If you were going, cracker sounds good. This is just, and it's audio.
2: At any point, do the detectives check whether or not a 3D printer is spewing out
1: spaghetti? (laughs) No, because it's 1964. (laughs) Oh, they didn't. So I don't even think they know. They may not even know about spaghetti back then. I don't know.
0: (laughs) No tiramisulata. Traffic wardens. Yeah, nothing like that.
2: Sounds good. So is it a is it a kind of um an acted out drama type? Yes. Thing?
1: Full right. cast. Full cast. Um so it's written by Philip Palmer. Don't you just love the BBC for making things? Yes. Like a hundred percent.
0: I think it's just so good. I love good. the BBC. The BBC makes so much incredible, brilliant stuff.
2: And are you saying that because I'm here?
1: No, I, I, think, <laughs> I mean I mean it too. Actually, I'm a huge BBC fan. Huge. The BBC gets slagged off by so many oh, yeah. people, and it's just and you don't deserve it. Like I don't know what they want. What's better when they announced BBC Sounds, this this app
2: that you can download in the in the UK. Yeah. yeah. Um. I was like, oh, not another app. We don't need another app. BBC. What are you doing? And it's actually, you know, I'm not just saying this because I work for the BBC, because you know, BBC's got problems. But what a stroke of genius! I use yeah. that app, all my mm. family and friends use that app every day. Um, it is, it is really good. And 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 you're right. I think they've they've invested massively in 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 audio. They've they've seen that podcasts and, and dramas like the one you're talking about um, have are massive. Yep. And uh, I think, yeah, I mean, it's paying off. Obviously, there's always going to be the hashtag Defund the Beeb. that will always be there and they may win one day hopefully not but yeah it's really nice to see when they do something like this
1: um so you can find it on bbc sounds I also saw it available on amazon so look where you typically find your audiobooks and you may be able to find it so it's called keeping the wolf out and by philip palmer and it's awesome
0: brilliant that sounds good well that just about wraps it up for this week joe i'm sure lots of our listeners would love to follow you online and find out what you're up to what's the best way for people to do that
2: well, I don't know why you'd want to, but if you if you were that way inclined, um, it, Twitter's the, the, the one that I use the most. It's just at Joe Tidy.
0: You can follow us on Twitter at Smash Insecurity, no G, Twitter on us to have a G. And we're also uh, running a Smashing Security subreddit as well. And to make sure you never miss another episode of the show, follow Smashing Security in your favourite podcast apps, such as Apple Podcasts, Overcast and Google Podcasts.
1: And huge thank you to this episode's sponsors, Ativo Networks and 1Password, and to our wonderful Patreon community. It's thanks to them all that this show is free. For episode show notes, sponsorship information, guest lists, and the entire back catalogue of more than 239 episodes, check out smashingsecurity.com. Until next time, cheerio. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Up, uh, Joe. Can I ask you something? Yeah. Your name's tidy. Yeah. Are you? Um. Yes. I, I think I think
2: I'm quite neat. I'm quite tidy. I'm not sort of clean. Um. <laughs> don't think she's asking about manscaping.
1: Was <laughs> sa- it back sack and crack? What's it? <laughs> Hello, peeps. It's Carol here. I have two things for you this week. One, a very sweet review from Ninov196600, who writes, Discovered the smashing security a few weeks ago. Already addicted. I love it. Keep them coming. We will, Ninov. You have quite a big back catalogue if you miss the sound of our voices in between each new show. Now, an announcement. Graham and I have been a bit remiss about putting up some unique content onto Patreon. And what we would like to know is, what would you guys like to know? Would you like us to focus on a specific topic? Would you like to ask us questions about how we got to where we are or what we do? Do you want to ask Graham his most embarrassing story? I mean... The choice is yours, and the wilder the better, I say. And don't worry, even if you don't support Patreon, it will come out eventually on this feed. We like free content for everybody, if we can. Tweet us, email us, and let us know what you would like to know. Because, after all, all we want to do is make you happy. See you next week.